This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome back to the H2P Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here on DKPittsburghSports.com, coming to you on a wonderful Sunday, talking about your Pitt Panthers. And we're going to do them more than just talk about Pitt in this episode. We're going to talk about college football and the state of where I see things with NIL, recruiting, all that jazz, Jordan Addison, we'll get into it. We will talk Pitt basketball in the second segment, though, because there was a really big move, in my opinion, on the part of Jeff Capel, um, and uh, I think it's a really good sign for that thing you know, that, that could help the team moving forward, the program moving forward. But I'd be ridiculous if I didn't spend more time talking about the situation. Now, for those who might need to get caught up with the Jordan Addison situation, I talked about this last week on the show. He he, he was he was it was rumored that he was going to go in the portal. Well, sure, it was officially then made this week. He entered the portal, I believe, officially on Monday. Um, and now the status is everyone's wondering where he'll go. Pitt could still be in the mix technically, um, and, but through teams like Alabama, Miami, they're all included with USC. I did hear a report um, that basically there are officials at USC who may be worried that if they if, if they are proven to have tampered with Jordan Addison, if they if they end up paying him money and it proves that there was tampering, they would be very wary of any consequences because, of course, there's a history with uh, punishments with USC when it comes to that kind of stuff because of the Reggie Bush situation, making him give back his Heisman and the penalties they suffered because of it. And truly, USC hasn't recovered since then. Um, but all of that that the update is we still don't know for sure where Jordan's going to go it doesn't seem too likely that he's going to return in my opinion because of the way Pat Narduzzi's talking he's talking at the the Peach Bowl challenge or whatever and uh talking about how you know you know what what the state of college football is and we're supposed to get new NIL rules on Monday like like there's there are guidelines, excuse me, not rules, but there's a lot that's going into this that suggests to me that the people who actually know if you know what Jordan's decided you know, that's, it's, it's, it, you know, it, I would say it's pointing to him not coming back. Now, I would say if, if these guidelines come out and there's like a, if there's a sense behind the scenes that like, hey, y'all, like we're not trying to have a, a disaster on our hands. We just want college football to, to succeed. Maybe he comes back. Maybe something gets worked out there. I do commend um, most of the, you know, the pit players and coaches who, who've kind of addressed it publicly on how they've handled it. Tyquan Underwood, uh, as a receivers coach in his first year, and, and before he could even get to, get to coach a game, he's got this situation on his hands. And you know, if you're if you, if you look look on Twitter enough, there's people probably probably kind of say, oh man, he left because of him, or he left because of this, or he kept left because of, of that. You don't know why Jordan Addison left, so stop stop pretending like you know. But Tyquan Underwood, I thought handled it really professionally. 
by how he was reminding everyone, hey, like this isn't you know this isn't about about Jordan. Jordan's doing what he has to do, you know, and and let's not let's not be negative about it as were other pit players. But let's talk about this whole situation because I, I see a lot of people out there talking about how this NIL is breaking college football. NIL is crushing the sport. And it's and there's no turning back. Oh, I agree. There's no turning back from where things have started with NIL. I agree with that. But isn't this just what college sports has been for for so long, especially in college football? I mean, yes. Let's 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 get this out of the way. You and I, dear listener, I'm talking to you. You and I both know that the, that there's been players who've been getting paid. We both know that there's. That they, they're, they're, there's there's backdoor dealings. There's all sorts of stuff that goes on. There's a lot of money that goes into college football that helps these decisions get made. This is not a secret. This is not me breaking some news or or, or going with a conspiracy theory here. We know that. We always know there's always been haves and have-nots. Now we know about the system with the NIL deals is that basically we're it's a bit above board now that we can see the things as they're happening, whereas before we had to assume. Because we didn't have information, and if the information got out before, it was, you know, SMU or something like that, like, you know, like, someone was getting busted. But, I I, I also, I, I, want, I want to address this by saying, like, you know, for people that are worried about this change in the sport, this is what it's been. Look at the college football playoffs. If you think that, that this is not this has not been the case for the longest time, like to, to me, this hasn't changed anything other than we're getting more insight into the process. Look again, look at the college football playoffs. There have been eight college football playoffs so far, where at least four teams have been in the national championship conversation. In those eight years, we have had of a several several teams get in just once. But mostly the top, the top, the cream of the crop, the top of the top, the top programs getting their nods in first. There have been 13 programs to make the the college football playoffs so far. Seven of those programs have gone in once: LSU, Oregon, Florida State, Michigan State, Washington, Cincinnati, and Michigan. There have been two programs that have gotten in twice: Georgia and Notre Dame. Two programs that have gotten in four times, Ohio State and Oklahoma, and Clemson, who's gotten six times, and Alabama, who's gotten seven times. Also, yes, that means Alabama's been in all but once, Clemson's been in all but twice. Do you not see how that kind of, that shows, like, if you're thinking, oh, man, you know, teams like Pitt will never stand a chance. Well, yeah, they never did. Of, even of those teams that made it, the seven teams that got in one time and had one chance to do this, Oregon and uh, of the of those teams, Oregon and uh, um, excuse me, uh, Oregon and LSU are the only teams to advance out of the first round of the playoffs, and LSU of course won it. But of course, LSU is also one of those top dogs. It's just that they they they've been broken down. There was there was scandals there that messed them up too. 
And Oregon also, their one victory was over Florida State, one of the other teams that's only been there once. But when they when those teams typically run up against the teams that are regularly there, they get crushed. And in fact, when you look at, you know, again, outside of Oregon, who beat Florida State, and outside of LSU, who was just dominant the year that they won, they won the championship, they blew out Oklahoma in the first round. Outside of those guys, none of these other teams stood a chance. The closest loss by any of these other teams that made it one time was Washington when they when they lost to Alabama in the Peach Bowl 24-7 in the 2017 Peach Bowl. All these other losses. Clemson beating Ohio, Ohio State. I, I, take the, I take them out of there. But Alabama beating Michigan State 38 to nothing in 2016. Clemson beating Notre Dame 30-3. Georgia beating Michigan 34-11. Alabama beating Cincinnati 27 to 6. It's just what we're used to now, right? And every year it comes down to usually two of the top programs in the country that had the top money behind them duking it out. And so I ask you, what has changed? The only thing now is that it's easier and more legal and no one's getting in trouble if these kids do get paid. And I, again, I have asserted all along that that should be happening. If there's billions of dollars being made off the labor of these college students, they should be getting paid. I've always said that. But we, what needs to be addressed is the system itself and how it's done. But let's not try to act like Paying the kids in the first place, or at least making it above board that the kids can get paid in the first place, is the problem. The problem is you need regulations that if you want to, some parity, if you want some competition, there should be some way to regulate and, 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 and show programs like, hey, if you've done all the right things, if this kid's getting paid X amount of dollars for their name, image, and their likeness, and making sure that, you know, that, that, that they're, they're earning what they've earned, then maybe you put in some protections for that. Maybe you say, hey, if, there, if there's a contract there, you, st- you, you can stick to that. Or if, if there's something along the lines, I get that. But at the same time, I also think that if a coach can leave whenever he wants and, and, and go to another school and, and get a better opportunity whenever he wants, a kid should be able to do that too. I, you know, I, my whole thing is they should not be deprived of their opportunities. But if your true point here, if your true goal here is that you want things to go back to whatever day that you think college football needs to go back to, where other programs stood stood more chances, and if you or if you want college football to be kind of more like the you know college basketball is a little bit because college basketball has its own problems, but where you can see some more teams making some runs and your occasional feel good story of a of a Florida Gulf Coast or Davidson or something like that, the answer isn't putting NIL back in the box. But this is what we said was going to happen when it started. It was going to be the Wild Wild West. There are going to be a lot of questions. Again, I think Jordan Addison is fine. Whatever he's doing, that's up to him. And I've said it before. I think Pitt will actually still be fine without him. I think that it'll hurt their chances to win the ACC. But I still see them winning the Coastal. I still see them being very competitive. And who knows? Kanate Mumfield, Jalen Bradley, maybe those guys are ready to step up. Maybe Jared Wayne and them, they all have a great year. Keaton Slovis with a bigger arm. And then it's like, wow, man, Jordan Addison missed out on that ride. But again, my whole point here is don't attack the idea 
of making sure the players do get paid and that it's legal as if that's as if removing that will be the solution because it's not because as soon as we say imagine if you did put nil back in the box guess what these 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 places are still going to find a way to get those players they'll just do it like they did it before very very quietly but that's my that's my take on this right now i think people are doing a little too much when they're acting like this whole new thing has ruined college football i'm telling you this has been college football for a long time but let's talk about college basketball pit basketball Big commitment this week. And a sign that maybe Jeff Capels does have a plan in place. I know people didn't believe me when I said that he does. But we'll talk about that plan and what Pitt's roster, Pitt basketball roster is, is looking more and more like every day. Right here on the H2B Podcast. Chris Carter, stick with us. We'll be right back. Here on the H2P Podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here on DKPittsburghSports.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at Carter Critiques. When you listen to the show, you can listen to us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all the places where you get your podcasts. Now, Pitt Basketball. I've talked enough about football and college football and blah, blah, blah. Let's, let's, Pitt Basketball, you had, Pitt Basketball fans, you had something to celebrate. You had something to be happy about this week. Because Jeff Capel landed... Not one, but two people that are considered, two players, two prospects, high school prospects, that are considered among the best of this upcoming class. Those those players being, of course, twins, Jorge and Guillermo Diaz-Graham. Both are 6'11", forwards from Spain. They've been playing at IMG Academy. They've been killing it in AAU tournaments. They've been showing what they got. And they both committed to Pitt on the same day. The first time that they'll have, uh, the Pitt will have two brothers on the same team since the Antiguas. Shout out to Orlando Antigua. He was actually a really cool Harlem Joe Globetrotter. And I, I had some really good interactions with the guy. He also always uh, did a lot of work in the community. A lot of appreciation for that guy. And it's their first ever Spanish players who've ever been in the program. And if you're sitting here wondering, okay, Chris, well, what about these guys? First of all, I wrote about them, so you get a sense of our. But everything that I've ever read and heard when I talk to people who who, who, who talk about these guys, the things that I've seen of them, they can shoot from the outside. They can score on the inside. They can defend. These are two kind of gets that are like, these could be sneakily good gets. Because they're international, so they may not register everyone right away, or to everyone right away. But these guys are very talented, lengthy players. These are the kind of guys that you can grow pretty considerably and add and, and can add to your offense quickly. 
Since Jeff got here, he's been looking for scores. He's been looking for people who could put the ball in the hoop. He's got the John Hughley. He's got the whole you know physical inside presence down. The pit finally has a center again. But you need outside shooters. You were hoping Ithiel Horton became that. He might have became that this past year if it wasn't for that weird cop case and him getting arrested and all that other stuff. And then the charges not really mattering at the end. It was just about making his life a lot harder. You might have had it if Nike Sabande hadn't torn his ACL this past year. We'll see because he's coming back. But Pitt has not had those pure those those pure outside shooting threats under Capel. And maybe these guys are still part of that are part of that plan. When you look at their big performances and some of these big competitions for high schoolers, whether they're like European challenges or, you know, competitions where IMG's at or, you know, showcase events, all these different things, you see impressive numbers for them. You see Guillermo, the Guillermo Diaz Graham averaging 11 points, 5.6 rebounds and three, plot, three blocks a, a per game leading the Spanish team in the European, in the, in the European Challengers Tournament. You see Jorge nailing three-pointers and leading IMG Academy in scoring in showcase events. And you see both of these guys ranked in the top 100 recruits when you're looking at player rankings for the upcoming class. Now, these guys are skinny as heck. They get, they, 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 they're they going to have to grow into their bodies. They're each around like 6'11", 195. Yeah, they're going to need to put, some, put a little weight on, but... These are tools, they have tools that pit, player, pit players have not had on this roster for some time. These are these are the type of players that can be program changing or at least getting the program to, you know, the, the kind of guys that can be there. And I, I, re, I really think that if Pitt can have, if they can help Pitt's outside shooting presence, if they can help that while having the length, and you also saw with getting Federico Federico, the junior college uh, trans- transfer out of the portal, who's also 6'11". You now have three dudes with serious height at 6'11". John Hooley's 6'9". He's just big and physical. He knows how to use his, his weight. And he's very talented on, on the inside. But you now have three dudes with that serious length. Federico, Federico's a guy that's going to play inside. I truly see him as just the backup to John Hooley right now to come in and give him some spell minutes because he, he's he's used to playing inside. But these, these kids, they can play on the perimeter. They can play on the wing. And you still got guys like Blake Henson, the small forward that you got, who was at Iowa State and then you know came from Ole Miss and hasn't played in a little in like two years, but has good score, scoring ability, creating inside. You still got Nelly Cummings, who you're really excited about to be a, to be a point guard for you. You still got Jamarius Burton. You still got Nike Sabande coming back. You got you got some a chance to have some shooters to have some shooting presence, and you still have three scholarships scholarships left. And there's plenty of people in the portal, and there's pl- there's people out there in re- in the recruiting aspect of the high school prospect lists out there that you can get. So 
Jeff Capel can coach a team to be defensive, to, to be a you know defensive and stalwart. But what what often happened for Pitt last year, and I think where Ke- Jeff realized that he can't just have a team that's just good at defense. He has to have serious scoring ability. And again, we knew that they were going to struggle last year at some points. But Pitt's defense, when they when they could hit shots at a at at a at a non bad rate, at just an acceptable rate, Pitt's defense worked last year. And I think enough of those players that are coming back this year saw that. But when it worked was when those shots started falling on 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 their offensive end, so that they 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 didn't have reason to panic on the defensive end. And if you got guys like these twins, who who can put it in, who can who can shoot from the outside, if Nelly Cummins is helping you score, if Henson is helping you score, if Burton's allowed to kind of be less of the point guard and more of the the two guard, the off guard that helps that helps more more there. If Nike Sabande's back scoring, if William Jeffries could finally figure out something in offense, if Nate Santos can grow, you got a shot to have those that those offensive points fall for you and then that defense will show up even more. And then also again when you got length out there on the court, that's a different level of defense. You saw what Muhammadu Gee did this past year with all the, with, with you know with him being one of the best blockers in the country. And he was just like these guys, 6 6 11. Actually I think he was 6 10. But point being, you get three guys now with that kind of length who are who try to play that style away. And they're all young and could be with the program for some time. I think that's a good sign for what Jeff's trying to put together here. I think it's a good sign for where Pitt basketball could be going in the next year or so. Because believe me, I think that this this needs to, like, I, I, I told y'all this time last year going into Pitt basketball season, I was like, y'all, don't look at this. Like, like, don't look at 2022, the 2021-2022 season that we just saw now. I was telling y'all ahead of time, don't look at that like they're supposed to be really good that year. This is a rebuilding year. This was a year they were just looking to sit. They're going to have to figure out who who could stick around, who could grow, and who's going to be part of the nucleus when Pitt reloads. And this is it. This is, to me, this is the first real step of, okay, you figured out who wants to stay. You got these twins. You got a couple people on the portal. You still got three more scholarships. They got people coming. Now's the time you got to see real, real progress from Jeff Capel. You see that, and I think things start to change, and Pitt moves up the ranks. And again, it's not going to be immediate. These kids are these kids are going to be freshmen next year. You know, there's other things that have to come into play here. You know, t- the team's gonna have to grow. Nike Sabande Sabande is gonna have to learn. You know, be able to train and trust his trust his body. You know, coming back from his injury, Nelly Cummins has to work out. Like, there's a lot of things that have to fall in place. But I think that this is going to. I think next year's Pit team is going to be a lot more competitive than what you've seen a Pit the last season and a half. And I think if I think with John Hoogley back and and players like these, like these twins, if they could pick up the scoring from the other guys, then you're going to start to see actual progress and maybe even some really fun basketball back at the peak. We'll keep you up to date on that here on DKPittsburghSports.com and the H2P Podcast. Thanks so much for checking us out. I'm Chris Carter, your host on this show. Thanks so much for checking us out. Stay tuned. we got a lot more great things coming to you on the DKPittsburghSports.com podcast platform. 
Remember, we got DK's Daily Shots coming out all week long. Ramon Foster, Ramon Foster Show. There's a whole bunch of great content covering all the teams here in Pittsburgh. Follow me, Chris Carter, on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. Listen to this show every Sunday here on the on the DKPittsburghSports.com's podcasting platform. Thanks again for checking us out. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Happy Mother's Day to my mom. I love you very much. And I'm actually probably hanging out with you right now as some people are listening to this. So I'm down for that. But anyways, happy Mother's Day, everybody. See you next week.